Lord God, take my words and speak through them. Take our hearts this morning and speak to them. Holy Spirit, bring conviction to our hearts through your living word. Initiate healing and transformation in our lives, all for the glory of your name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to begin today discussing the subject of details, specifically the attention to details. Now, everyone handles details differently. Some might say that people fall into two categories, those who pay attention to details and those who do not. But I disagree with that assessment. We all pay attention to some details. And at the same time, we all are not attentive to other details. Every one of you pays attention to the details of some activities or some tasks in your life, even if there are other areas where you don't pay attention to details. In my own life, can be, this can be seen quickly in two things. The first, I'm always aware of the detail of the level of water in our Keurig coffee maker. <laughs> my wife is not. <laughs> I never leave it empty for her, but I do refill it often. Now, at the same time, I am incapable of remembering the detail of taking the floor towel in the bathroom and hanging it up. <laughs> no matter how often I'm reminded, that detail escapes me. But I quickly noticed the coffee maker. I'm, we all miss some details, and we pay attention to others. You get the idea. Now, some areas of our life demand precision. Think about surgery. Think about medicine. Think about engineering. Those types of areas, they demand strict adherence to and focus on the details. Other areas of life don't demand precision. Think about cooking and yard work. Those kinds of areas. You can do cooking and yard work well without precision. And you can also do them well with precise measurements and exact cutting. Now, I can be OCD in many areas of life. Those of you who know me, can, you get that. Yard work is one of them. I'm precise when I do my yard work. But in other areas, again, not so much. Ask him about my painting skills. Ask him about my cleaning the kitchen skills. Oh, she's got a list. Our scriptures today put this subject of attention to details directly before us. There are many places in God's word, in the Bible, where God commands his people to be very careful about the details. God does that because he loves his children. He wants to protect them from the brokenness and the evil and the sin that is in the world and the sin that lives within them. And he wants them to know and to trust him that he has their best in mind with his instructions. The God of the Bible does have instructions and plans for his people to follow. And they come with a promise repeatedly throughout scriptures. God promises that if his instructions and plans are followed, that those who follow them will be blessed by him. That they'll live lives marked by his blessing, and that they will be then a testimony to God. This morning, I want you to open your pew Bibles. I want everybody to have Deuteronomy 15 open. So it's page 159 of your pew Bibles, or if your own Bible, we're Deuteronomy chapter 15. Page 159 in the blue Bibles. In our reading, beginning with verse 7, we read God's instructions for his people 
to care for the poor members of their community. But the context of those instructions is very important to understand. The instructions given in chapter 15 are given within the context of God giving the law to Moses. Five chapters earlier in Deuteronomy chapter 10, God writes on two stone tablets the Ten Commandments. If you're familiar with that, this is actually the second time God writes on the stone tablets because Moses threw the first ones to the ground. But this time, God writes on the Ten Commandments, writes the Ten Commandments on the stone tablets in chapter 10, and then God continues to communicate all of the law and the instructions for his people. Eighteen chapters of instructions from Deuteronomy 10 to Deuteronomy chapter 28, covering almost every aspect of life. And it's in the midst of those instructions that we have our reading. Now, in those 18 chapters of instructions, we see multiple times the Hebrew word shamar, which can be translated be careful, or guard, or beware, or observe, or keep. It has the same sense, even though it may be translated slightly differently. Shamar, the Hebrew word, declares be careful to pay attention to the details in one way or another. Now, how many times do we find Shamar in these 18 chapters, just from Deuteronomy 10 to Deuteronomy chapter 28? 40 times. That's how many I've found. There may be more, but 40 times. Our reading today from Deuteronomy 15, beginning with verse 7, includes one instance of Shamar. But the first six verses of chapter 15 contains another use of Shamar that also reveals more about our context this morning. So chapter 15, if you have a heading in your Bible, it might say the sabbatical year. Chapter 15 is God introducing this idea of sabbatical year to his people. Every seventh year is to be a year of release, a year of forgiveness of debt. All debts within the Jewish community were to be forgiven. All land was to be returned to its original owners every seventh year. It was the Lord's command to release their neighbors from debt. Now take a look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, but there will be no poor among you, for the Lord will bless you in the land your God is giving you for an inheritance. There will be no poor among you, and the Lord will bless you. The Lord declares that his people are to care for each other, care for their community and their neighbors, and in doing so, he promises he will provide for them and bless them. And then verses 5 and 6 clarify the Lord's blessing. He will do this. He will bless you in the land, verse 5, if only you will strictly obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful, there's Shamar, being careful to do all this commandment that I command you to do today. For the Lord your God will bless you, verse 6, as he promised you. Shamar. God's command for attention to his details. Strictly obey the voice of the Lord, what you hear him say. Being careful, shamar, being careful to do all that he commands. 
need you to remember this is God speaking here. Do you think if God says strictly obey and be careful to obey that the detail might be important? Thank you. I was pretty sure you were tracking with me there, but I'd like to check in every once in a while. Well, what is so, so important here that God is addressing? It's the care of the poor in their community, their poor neighbors. God has declared a year of release every seventh year so that the poor will be released and free from their debts, so that no one will be poor in their land on that seventh year. But in our reading, our reading beginning with verse 7, God declares what to do about those who become poor in the middle years, those who become poor in the meantime. And in doing so, God makes it clear there will always be poor among you. Some will always be poor. God makes it clear. Some will always experience some sort of failure or hardship or extreme need and become poor. Some will be careless with their resources and they'll become poor. Some will be sick. Some will be in addiction. They will become poor. Some will not be good stewards. Some will make bad decisions. Regardless of how they become poor, they will always be poor. And we begin our reading with verse 7 then. If among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother. Verse 8. But you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. The Hebrew word for hand there literally means power, ability to influence, or resources. Here we are confronted in these two verses with a command by God, a command he declares must be carefully heeded. God's command to give freely to those neighbors who are poor, regardless of why they're poor. Even though God is first commanded... He began with an every seventh year release from debts. He now makes provision for those who will fall into poverty, who will always be poor, no matter why. Verse 9, then, we find shamar again. Take care. In some versions, it's translated beware, but that's the same Hebrew word, shamar. Take care. Be careful, lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart, and you say the seventh year is near, and you look grudgingly on your poor brother. Beware, lest you rationalize in your hearts, you know, they're going to be free of their debts shortly. I don't need to help them. I don't need to give them anything. Lest you think these things and look grudgingly, or look with judgment on your poor neighbors. Going on to verse 10. You shall give to him freely. And your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him because of the Lord your God will bless because for this the Lord your God will bless you in your work and in all you undertake. Do you catch the second half of verse 10 there? The promise. Because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. That's, that's pretty amazing, that promise from God. 
So again, why? Why is God doing this for the poor in the land? Verse 11. For there will never cease to be the poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. It's God's provision for his people. It's God's provision to their poor neighbors. Now, I'm thinking many of you may be feeling a little bit of discomfort at these words from the Lord. Perhaps the same discomfort that I felt as I was preparing. The same discomfort on some levels I feel now. Because God's commands fly in the face of and confront my own judgment of the poor around me. God commands, God's commands confront my judgment of some of the poor and the homeless and the needy around me. Because I don't judge all, I just judge some of them. I'm willing to give those who are poor and needy or struggling around me a gift if I think the reason why they're needy is okay, it meets with my approval. Or my observations of them meet with my approval. But those who are just needy because of non-okay reasons, according to my judgment, I reject. I judge and I close my hands. When you close your hands, what do you end up with? A fist. This is really hard teaching, especially with how many poor and needy are around us. At almost every intersection, at almost every city park or overpass or gas station, doesn't matter where your neighborhood is. God, this is too hard, you may be thinking. But, but, but wait, maybe there's a way out of this. But wait, you may be thinking, this was written to God's people in history. This is ancient history to the Jews, and it only applied to their Jewish neighbors, you may be thinking. <laughs> Not so fast. That's a good rationalization, but Jesus made it clear. This command is still in effect for his followers. Do you remember the story of the lawyer who wanted to justify himself before God in Luke chapter 10? I'm going to read the beginning of that. A lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test saying, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? What passage follows those words? The parable of the good Samaritan. That's right. Who is my neighbor, he asked. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus made it clear. His followers are to love and care for your neighbors, even those outside of your faith community, as the Samaritans were to the Jews, even those who are our enemies, even those who may be poor because of bad choices, even those who may be continuing to behave badly. Jesus made it clear we are to love and care for our neighbor. God didn't leave much room for rationalization with that parable. He warned against judgment. He commanded open hands, influence, power, resources to the needy and to the poor. This isn't fair, you may be thinking. This is too hard. God's instructions are to give and not expect repayment. Sufficient for their need. 
What is their need? You may be thinking, well, if I can figure out what they need, food, water, shelter, gas, I'll just give them their need. I want to encourage you to try not to overanalyze the details of each situation. Because God doesn't promise you that you'll understand the economics of every situation or every transaction. He does promise in verse 10. What's the promise? If you live this way, for this, living this way, your, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. That's a blessing to write down and remember as you live your life. His blessing may not mean dollar for dollar repayment for what you give, but the Lord promises He will bless you. He will give you His blessing. Is God faithful? Is God worthy of our trust? Yes. Can God be trusted to fulfill His promises? Yes. Then whatever His blessing is, we can trust Him that that will be His best for us, His perf perfect blessing for us as we follow His rule, as we love our neighbor. Does His promise to bless us mean we won't struggle or suffer need or become poor? No. This is hard, graduate-level instruction from the Lord. It doesn't protect us from sickness that may make us poor or addiction that may make us poor or circumstances. So why are we, if we are God's people, commanded to live this way, to trust Him in this way? Well, ultimately, our gospel reading from Matthew 19 sheds light on that. It's to protect our hearts from idolatry which will keep us from hearing God and carefully obeying God's voice and call. It will keep us and protect us so that we can be shamar with God's commandments. Ultimately, idolatry keeps us from God's presence and His blessing in our lives. That's why He calls us to live this way, to live differently. It's to protect us from sin, which will keep us from loving others with His love. And it will keep us from bringing glory and praise to Him through our lives. It will keep us from leading others to Him through our lives, the idolatry that He's addressing. The rich young man in Matthew 19, Jesus surgically addressed the idol in his heart. The one thing that would keep him from maturing in faith, his idolatry of wealth. Because the rich young man was following Jesus. He was, out, he was following Jesus, but he was only following him. He wasn't really all in. He wasn't willing to humble himself and truly live with Shamar to be careful to follow and obey Jesus. Jesus said, this is what you must do, and he walked away. Can't do that. We are called to live like that as followers of Jesus. To love God and love our neighbor. But practically, what can this way of living look like? Must we always be giving money to everyone who asks? Thank you. <laughs> Maybe. But this gets to the importance of living in active relationship with God. Living a life of listening for God's voice, a life of listening in faith, of hearing God's voice and being careful to obey what he calls you to do. Walking in life with God with listening ears and listening hearts. 
God may call you to pray if you don't have money or even if you have money. Lord, what am I to do with this? God may give you a sense, don't give money. Just ask if you can pray. You can listen to God wherever you want to. That's right. But you may pray, and that may be more uncomfortable for you than just giving a few bucks. Listen for what God calls you to do. God may call you to prepare for each day, to have water or food or snacks or blankets in your car so that when you're asked, you can respond to their need, to be ready for the asking. God may prepare you to prepare financially for the opportunities to give, taking an honest look at your budget and setting aside resources that you can either buy things with to provide for those in need or carry in your car or to have extra cash or change. The important thing here is shamar, to be very careful to obey the voice of the Lord, to listen for his prompting, to follow his instructions, to love God with all that you are, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to love your neighbor. Live that way and the Lord promises he will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. Live that way and the Lord will bless you in all your life and others will be drawn to Jesus through your life. For the glory of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.